Hey everyone, how's it going? And you're back with Citywide Blackout, your home for music, movies, and more. I'm your host, Max Bowen. After hearing A Part of Me by Philly-based singer-songwriter Sarah Crone, I knew this was an artist to have on the show. Sarah and I talk about how she's grown as a musician from her debut album, 81, at age 14, to her most recent single, Sanguine Blue, released last December. A Part of Me shares the theme of growing up and leaving home, which ties into her recent move to college in Ohio. We also look at her recent work with friend and fellow musician Danny Jimenez and her band Almost Tuesday. And there is just like so much to talk about here because you have been very, very busy, I would say, over the past uh, couple years. But I want to start, I want to go back a little bit and just talk about kind of what got you into music in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think the thing that got me into music initially was, you know, as a kid, I took piano lessons, which then turned into guitar lessons, which then turned into voice lessons. And then I started writing my own songs when I was like 13. Um, And then from then on, when I was like in my teen years, I did the School of Rock program, which is like a performance program. And I that's where I really got like my bearings as a musician. And like, got a lot better and like along the way I I was writing my own songs and everything um and also when I was around 13 14 I started learning how to produce my own music and so that's what I do now I I produce and record all my own music um which is a good skill to have it saves me a lot of money honestly I can Um, only imagine you know like being able to just like write yourself record yourself produce yourself um I like that you have been writing music since your teens. In fact, your first album, uh, 81, was written when you were uh, 14. That's pretty cool because yeah. most people I talk to, when they when they'll, they'll like reference music they wrote when they were like 14 or whatever, they'll say, I'm never going to release it. It was terrible. I never want to see the light of day. Um, but why go all the way to like producing this and then uh, releasing it? Yeah. I Well, so yeah, I, I wrote the album when I was 14. And that was also the time that I started learning how to produce. And I always knew that I wanted to produce that album, like from when I wrote it and when I was continuing to write it, I always knew that I wanted to put it out, but I didn't quite know how to do that yet. So it took me like four years to figure out how to do that and what I wanted to do with it. And somehow I stayed motivated along the way to continue these songs. And I I think I feel very differently about them than I did when I was working on them and releasing them. Like, I don't think they're my greatest writing now, but they still hold such a special place in my heart and like are such a part of who, where, like where I came from as a musician that I I just have always been working on them. And there, there are parts of them that I, I still really like the song Stardust. <laughs> I, I, like I, I enjoy that song still. Excellent. And I think it's a, a very good like representation, too, of your style as a whole, because the music that you've released since, there have been certainly differences where you've done different instrumentation and becoming more polished as a vocalist. I feel like for people who are just going to be like introduced to who you are as a musician, 81 is a very good example of that. Yeah, I, I think I still write in a somewhat similar way, and I, I'm still drawn to the same types of melodies and types of songs and so I think just since then I've just probably been able to construct songs in a more thoughtful way but what I really liked about the album that I released is 
they were they were before I became kind of aware of how I write songs. So they're just such this pure like expression of songwriting and my initial reaction to whatever was happening in my life. Um, whereas now there's a, mo- a lot more like awareness around it, which can make it harder in some ways. Um, but usually it, I can craft it better. But I, I, I love the whole like the expression of that album. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I love. For me, I really loved both the the variety of uh, the instrumentation, but also like your voice is very, very good. Were you uh, self taught as a vocalist, or did you learn this at the at the School of Rock? Yeah, I so I started taking voice lessons when I was probably around twelve ish, and um, then I started taking voice lessons at the School of Rock when I was around fourteen, and. I think I definitely learned a lot of what I know from being taught things, but I, I think what I learned most from like by singing was from just doing it <laughs> on my own and then receiving pointers along the way definitely like helped hone my craft. But I think the way that I sing, it was very much just me influencing myself and like me just singing the artists that I love and like seeing my voice evolve based on whoever I was loving at the moment, really. I'm wondering if you got any advice or tips for uh, training your voice that really like shaped you as an artist. Mm, Yeah, I I definitely have. (laughs) So my, uh, my voice teacher from School of Rock, um, his name is Jake. He was also my guitar teacher. He has given me a lot of tips on a lot of things, but on on the voice specifically, he's just made certain comments that have made me look at my voice in a way that I have never considered before. Um, Just being aware of the things that I was not aware of, whether it be the, the dynamics of the volume of my voice or man, just like the way, the way that I say words, the way that I end phrases, um, just things that I don't think about that like he can see that I don't think about, which is really helpful to have, I think. Hmm. What would you say is probably the biggest difference between like 14 year old, you just like just starting out writing your songs for the first time and the current you? Ooh, hmm. I think probably an overall just increase of awareness of noticing things whether that be in noticing them about myself feeling like I know myself better um, or whether that be listening to music and being able to hear things that I have never been able to hear before like listening to the songs that I liked even a year ago and being able to hear so many more layers because I've been working on producing music There, there are just so many things that like I hadn't realized and that my ears could not detect um so I've become more aware of music and the way that it functions and you know just as I grow older and I just get to see and experience more of the world and life I think like I just I gain a broader perspective of things whereas when I was 14 I wrote the album 81 in my bedroom and I didn't have to leave my bedroom to experience everything I wrote about (laughs) in that album and so ever since then, it's been like just this ever expanding world that I am trying to encapsulate in my writing. Do you ever find that you're a little maybe 
you like stop when it comes to like writing a song. You're like, hmm, do I actually want to like share this with the like entire world? I think I I don't have as many boundaries as I should with that. For me, it is such a thrill to put hints and secrets that only I know about and maybe the person that the song is about knows. Um, and so I, I like to get as close as I possibly can without saying their name, of course, um, <laughs> to just like very specific details and things that relate to the song. I, I love putting those in, so I really don't. Sometimes I, some there there have been a few instances where I'm like, I, I can't, I can't show people this. It's, it's way too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. All right. Uh, going back to school of rock, this wasn't just a chance to get educated. You also got the chance to perform at some pretty major events. One being Lollapalooza and also at the rock and roll hall of fame. My mind's exploding actually for, for both of those, <laughs> of course. How did these two things happen? And what was it like being a part of these shows? Yeah, it was crazy. So Within the School of Rock, there's this program called All Stars, which is this like audition-based program that basically, if you get in, it combines a bunch of kids um, from across the United States into a group, and you guys you rehearse for three days, and then you go on tour for ten days and play music in uh, a bunch of cities. And so the ending gig for two of my years was Lollapalooza, and we also played at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I probably played at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame probably like four or five times um and yeah that it was really it was really cool to see music in that way because when when you're at school of rock and you're you're playing a lot of gigs for your parents <laughs> and at bars and things it's it's one side of music but then when you get to play at these venues and you get to see people that you've never seen before and see these artists it's such a different experience um, and it really shows you like what what is possible, because um, I was only I was 16 and 17 when I played at Lollapalooza. Um, so it really showed me, you know, w- what music could be. Yeah. And really, where do you go from there? I mean, like two of like the most like biggest events you're going to uh, you're ever going to play at. Yeah, I definitely like after playing those and you you like come back and you know, had it not been for School of Rock, I would not have played those venues. So you come back and like, if I wanted to get a gig, like, you know, I'd be playing at like my local pub and it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> different scene, but. You know, <laughs> 10 people there, maybe it's fun. like, oh, this is okay, I suppose. I mean, Lollapalooza <laughs> yeah. played before like thousands of people. This is, this is all right. This is all right. Yeah. Now, have you had a chance to actually um, gig out on your own? Yeah, I have a little bit, especially, well, kind of, you know, the pandemic happened right when I graduated high school and so I was I I wanted to go to college and get a band and play gigs but that wasn't really possible um but I did meet one of one of my friends Danny who is also a musical partner of mine and we started performing together so we we played a gig this past year um just us as a duo and we played a couple gigs together and then in the fall I formed a band and we played our first our first show and it was really great because it was the first time I played all of my songs with a band um, that were like actually my songs um, for a gig. And that was an amazing experience. But since then, we have not done anything because I'm currently at home, not at college. Um, yeah. Oh, OK. Um, talking about uh, Danny, uh, how would you say your two sounds mesh? Mm, OK, so Danny 
is a classical pianist trained and she is absolutely phenomenal like I my mind is blown at the amount of musical knowledge that she has and ability so we have her and then we have me who was kind of brought up like singer songwriter and like rock and roll and so where we find our common ground is Phoebe Bridgers she's the reason that we became friends we both just love the the sad music and we also both love Taylor Swift so our music together, it kind of has the, the peppiness of Taylor Swift when we write together, um, but also the, the somberness and the sadness of Phoebe. So it's like, if you put those two together, I would say that's, that's what Danny and Mai's music sound like. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Huh. And with the band, uh, do you have a name for it yet? Yeah. So we, we were using the name Almost Tuesday oh. when we played our game. Cool. Cool. I like that name. Very cool. Yeah. And are these like also uh, friends of yours? Yeah, these are these are friends of mine that I met at college. <laughs> so many bands have uh, come out of colleges. So many bands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I go to Oberlin, which has a whole conservatory of classical and jazz musicians. So I'm not in the conservatory, but I have access to all these brilliant musicians. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, um, are you currently like majoring in like anything musical at a college? Yeah, I'm actually not majoring in anything musical wow. at college because I, I wouldn't, I personally would not pay seventy thousand dollars to to study music when I'm already kind of doing it on my own. Um, that's but, fair. So that's this, fair. This actually, is more, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's just a personal thing. A lot of people do, and it's great. I just, I would not do that so in the meantime i'm studying psychology um you know <laughs> parents and parents are like yep it's practical yeah go to college <laughs> exactly <Okay>. psychology, <laughs> law right. degree medical degree whatever's gonna work for you. yeah because <laughs> like i'm sure for some parents when they see that their child very obviously wants to go into music they're thinking oh god they're never going to move out of the house yes yep exactly <laughs> All right. So how do you continue your own musical education? Yeah, I it's been it's been interesting ever since, you know, I'm not having lessons anymore where someone's telling me what to do. It's it's kind of up to me. And so I've I've been trying to balance like still still progressing whilst now I can focus on whatever I want to with music. So I think honestly, I, I've had a lot of years of a lot of practice. And now I'm more into exploring the songwriting part of it because, you know, when I was busy all the time in high school, like learning classic rock songs, I didn't have the time or energy to write as many songs as I can now, though it is hard with, you know, college and everything. But whenever I come home, I just I'm churning out songs like nobody's business. And it's it's the most fulfilling feeling. And I I just learn so much about myself and music. And it's it's just one of the most enjoyable things, honestly, um, that I can do. <laughs> All right. Now, we talked earlier about um, the pandemic, of course. This impacted a lot of people's plans. I'm curious what what, uh, what you had on your to-do list and how you had to kind of pivot once, like, COVID just shut everything down. Yeah. COVID, COVID honestly gave me – it was a little bit of a blessing for me at that point in time because it, it gave me endless amounts of time. And so I was finally able to finish this album that, that I released, 81. 
um, after four years, it was what finally pushed me to be like, okay, I have to finish this. It, there has to be an end date. I can't work on this forever. This I mean, is not you, my magnet. You could, but it's not really like practical. <laughs> yeah. And I, by that point, I was like, I feel, I feel so much more distant from these songs than I did when I first wrote them. I just, I want to show people already. So I got that out and, you know, since then I've still had a lot of access to the these endless periods of time you know with with college the the year was kind of off like I I had actually a lot of time at home um so I had I had lots of time so I think I've I've spent that time feeling stressed and feeling like I should be doing more but at the same time doing more than I ever have so it's it's a weird balance and I'm trying to find like a balance <laughs> between being stressed and just doing what I love yeah well I would say you've accomplished that quite a bit I mean I mean you released 81 you released a number of singles including part of me which I really I really really love that song and I was curious if this really like tied into when you like left home to go to college because this one's all about like leaving like a past behind. Yeah, that is exactly what that song is about. Um, I, I wrote it. I wrote it kind of. I wrote the lyrics when I was going to college for the first year, but then I found the lyrics and I wrote the melody the a year later. But it was so it was really interesting because I, I actually had to rewrite like half the lyrics, but. I was experiencing them again, but in a different way. It was it was the same situation, but it had evolved into something new. So I was still relating to it, but in in such new ways. So it was a really interesting experience. And while I was making the song, you know, I, I released it in November, but I actually finished it right before, like literally right before I went away to school. So I was I was experiencing it the whole way throughout making it which was a really interesting experience because with 81, the album that I released, I wrote it when I was 14 and released it when I was 18. So I wasn't, I, I had not talked to the person that that album was about in so many years. So I was like currently living the song and everything. And I think I just, in that way, like I really just put my whole self into it while I was making it. Now, we talked earlier about uh, releasing 81, four years in the making. Was it hard for you to say, okay, done, no more tweaking, just put it out there and let people tell me what they think about it? Yes, um, it was very difficult to do that because I am very much a perfectionist. And especially with producing music, I, I would be listening to the songs for like nine hours a day. And that, that is so, <laughs> so exhausting. And so it, at a certain point, I just had to say, okay, I know it's not perfect, but I I kind of had to be okay with that. And I knew that if these, so I knew that these songs were not the best thing that I was ever going to produce in my whole entire life. So I had so much to look forward to and I, I wanted to work on that rather than, you know, just trying to get this one thing perfect that was never going to be perfect. So I just kind of had to be like, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> and I did it. Yeah, at some point, you just got to say, okay, just put it out there, you know? All right, I want to ask about producing your own music because this is such a cool thing. And and like as you said, a huge like you know uh, money saver, I'm sure, time saver. 
I'm sure it's probably a big like stress relief too because you can just do this your own way. What got you into doing your own production though? Yeah, I th- I think what got me into doing my own production and everything was the fact that I when I was 14, I had no idea how the music industry worked. I didn't know how studios worked and I didn't even if I knew how they worked, I wouldn't go out and do it because I didn't believe in myself enough to like actually like be in the presence of someone making a song. Um, but in that way, I think it allowed me to have such a level of freedom that I would not have had otherwise. I really got to experiment because it was only me who was watching. And through pr- production, I learned so much about music itself and how to not only write a song, but write all the parts of a song and how they all interact. And I still don't play the drums, but I've learned so much more about the drums than I ever would have. Um, so it, it, it has really made me consider music in a new way. How long did it take, Bob, before you felt ready to, you know, like release the music that you were actually producing? Yeah, I, so I, I actually did release two singles off of 81 before I released the album. Um, and I think that was because I, I didn't know that I was going to release the full album from the get-go. I, I was just working on all these songs and I didn't really know how they would come out. So I just picked one and I started working on it and I was like, okay, I'm going to release it. And looking back on it, like the first song I released, which was a song of mine called I Miss You, the, the version that I released, I listen back to it now and I'm like, this sounds so bad production-wise. <laughs> and so there's there's an updated version of it on my album, actually. I like redid the drums, redid everything um, because I just, from what I learned in two years time, it, it, it was a lot. <laughs> so are you uh, self-taught on this? Yeah, I'm, I, I started teaching myself music production because my older brother was into it a little bit, but I think now I've kind of surpassed his <laughs> ability. <laughs> and yeah, so I, I taught myself, I, it was so frustrating at first. I would look up YouTube tutorials. I'd Google, why is, why can't I hear anything? And it was super frustrating. Um, but along the way, I've had some pointers from that guitar teacher, Jake, uh, has also been kind of like a mentor to me. And so I've, I've gotten a lot of tips from him about music production. And actually this past summer, he told me, he was like, yeah, I think you're, you're much better than I am at like producing music, which was like such a moment for me. Cause I was like, what? Like I, I always thought that like he could just hear things that I couldn't and he still can, but I guess he doesn't have the focus to sit in front of a computer for nine hours, listening to the same song. Like I do. (laughs) That's a very unique skill. I think. That's a very, very unique skill. I definitely could not do it. Um, where does that patience come from to be able to sit in front of us, the, the screen for nine hours going over the same song again and again and again? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple things that come into play. Um, probably a little bit of narcissism, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. You know, I feel like all musicians have a little bit of it. You know, you hear a song that that you've been making and you just want to share it with people. And then like, I'll just get inspired by things. And I'm so inspired by um, all, all the people that I look up to. I, I, whenever I need a rush of dopamine, I just like put on some Jacob Collier songs, an interview maybe. And I just, I want to do it. And I, I just keep 
keep living through the feelings and I just I want to release as quick as possible even though it'll take me a long time I want to release it quickly mm-hmm. now when you're um when you're listening to other people's music do you ever find yourself saying hmm they could have done this differently or this is a thing I could do do you find yourself just like uh, taking it apart to see what you could do with it yeah I I think I actually remember myself doing that when I was 13 I remember listening to Ed Sheeran songs on my headphones and thinking like what I would do different in the production which was before I started producing music but I think it's I think it's funny to like I was even listening for those things back then but now I there are definitely parts of songs that I hear that I think should be different whether it be like a lyric or like how the drums sound um, or the guitar tone there, but I honestly, that stuff doesn't cross my mind that much or else listening to music would be really, really annoying, but it definitely does cross my mind at some points. <laughs> yeah. I can definitely imagine that. Cause I'm kind of the same way when it comes to like listening to, um, podcasts I'll be like listening for those like, like little mistakes. If... Yeah. That's so interesting. So where are you going from here now? You're uh, still in college, so you're still uh, finishing uh, that above. What's your plan for like afterwards? Do you think you'll be focusing more on music? Are you going to pursue more of a psychology career? Yeah, I honestly have no idea. I think my plan has always been do music as much as I can. And if anything happens where it seems like it is the most where, well, maybe not the most practical option, but an option that I could pursue, um, then take it and run with it and so that's just kind of what I'm doing and in the meantime you know just writing songs releasing music making my own videos for them just like doing anything I can really (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh one thing I want to also ask you had mentioned that your brother he was doing uh, music production do you come from a musical family no not really my dad plays piano um not very good (laughs) sorry dad He'll just be playing something on the piano downstairs over and over again. And it sounds it sounds fine, but he my my family is not really musical. They enjoy music a lot. So I grew up around a lot of like Bruce Springsteen, like Jackson Brown. And then my mom loves like all the 80s music um, and then like some 2000s rock music. So that's kind of what I grew up listening to. All right. Um Earlier, I mentioned that you are originally from uh, Philadelphia, which is one of my favorite cities, and the music scene there is so very, very cool. I'm curious if there are, are any like venues there that you are just like dying to play at. I, I've played some of them. Oh, really? Cool. From from sco- doing School of Rock. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I just I've just seen a bunch of concerts at Union Transfer. So if I ever got to play on that stage, that would be like <laughs> that'd be like dream come true. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. I think Boot and Saddle was the first place I um I saw shows at when I was in the Philly area. Mm, nice, nice. nice. Uh, where else in the city have you uh, had the chance to play at? Um, so I've played upstairs and downstairs at World Cafe Live um, with School of Rock, and that was really cool. Um, I've also played at the Voltage Lounge, which I played at with, I had a band for a short period of time in high school. Uh, we played a couple of gigs. That was one of them. There's there's a venue also in Phoenixville, which is outside of Philly, that I played at called the um, Chaplains. And I think just like other various venues in and around Philly. <laughs> wow. So you are off to a great start musically, I'd say. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I definitely like School of Rock gave me a lot of opportunities to play so many gigs um, and really experience music when in like a controlled <laughs> environment. Um, I think that was a really great experience. Okay. Um, future music. What do you have coming up for that? I've recently been thinking like, what do I want to do next? You know, I, and I, I, I've discovered um, that I've, I feel a lot less pressure now that I've released a couple of songs that I'm really, really proud of. I feel a lot less like pressure on myself to like, Oh, I have to release. Cause I have to prove myself. Like now that I have those out there, I'm a little bit less stressed out <laughs> about that, which is a nice feeling. Um, but so I've been focusing a lot on writing recently and a song that I recently finished. Um, I'm, I'm currently working on to release currently working on recording and everything. Oh, very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And for the folks at home, you go uh, to Sarah Crone.bandcamp.com. That's um, uh, Sarah with an H K R O H N.bandcamp.com. Of course on Spotify, various other platforms, Check out the music, and of course, much more to come. Thank you. Thank you so much, Max, for having me. Hey, this is singer, songwriter, and mental health advocate Stephanie Mathias. Be sure to check out my single Hero Side, available on all platforms now, and listen to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best indie artists. Okay, everyone, that brings this episode to a close. Big thanks to Sarah for joining me, and definitely, folks, check out her music. A Part of Me is such a cool song, and there's so much more great content to find. You can follow this show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Get to me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and catch the show wherever you find podcasts, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. To close things out, I've got two of Sarah's songs, A Part of Me, followed by Stardust, the second of which is from her debut album. As always, keep those ears open.
Make me good 